Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Well, praise the Lord to everybody. Uh, that mean, everybody means everybody. So. <laughs> praise God. Jesus is Lord, and uh, you and I reign in life. Father, thank you for the word. I, this is my Bible. Out of it proceed the issues of life. I can have what my Bible said I can have. I can do what my Bible said I can do, and I can go everywhere my Bible says I can go. Now, as I minister this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm absolutely convinced. I am prepared and ready and armed with the Scripture to do holy warfare and declare as I preach chains fall off people are made well healthy whole and sound and increase their their revelation of who they are in Christ and their righteousness of God and they can reap every benefit provided for them in scripture in Jesus mighty name amen well before you see to tell somebody I'm extremely blessed of the Lord Amen and amen. Praise God. Let's uh, open our Bibles, if we will, and let's go over to the text verse of Scripture, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. Um, something very powerful while, while we're going there, Luke's 13, um, while, while, we're, while we're going there, I, you know, there's, anytime you open the Bible, uh, there's so much revelation uh, that you and I can go through, Revelation chapter 13, verse 10. And now uh, I was thinking about about what she was bringing out about Jacob and the dream. Um, there, there's so much in, in, in that connected. I don't know if you saw that in Scripture that he, it got nighttime. So where he was at, he took stones and made himself a pillow. And then he went to sleep on that and fell asleep on that pillow, got up and took the same stone. That stone was his. Now think, now think for just a minute. He didn't have a tent, didn't have a pillow. He had a tent. All he had was a rock. And he got up and he made a statement. And he said, in the dream, heaven was opened up and coming up and down on him. And here's the interesting thing. He made the statement, I didn't know God's presence was here. There are times most don't know God's presence is there because they don't sense it. They can't see it in the natural. And then... He makes this powerful confession of faith. He says, if you give me bread and raiment, then I, I will come back and give you a tenth of all, which meant the only thing he gave him was a rock full of oil. And that was it, because that was his. Because God said, this land is yours. I promise this land is yours. Well, this stone's mine. Well, if the stone is mine, then I give it to you. And then he poured oil on it and called it church. 
Now, before he had finances, and this is this catalyst, and then I'll quit uh, on this subject. Uh, tithing is not money. He didn't have any. He had a stone. Tithing is decision. It is decision about the manifestations of God. Do you ever notice when people stop tithing, they never give equal to the tithe? It's always less. Uh, I'm questioning. But all the man had was a rock. And then in chapter 32, because that was in chapter 28, chapter 32, he comes back, and and, and you know all he had with him was a staff? But when he comes back, he's got two armies with him, and he's got tents, and he's got everything coming back, and he tithes. Study it out. All he, when he left, when he when he was spoken to, he had a rock. And then cha- uh, chapter thirty-two, he comes back with armies, with wife, with a wife, with children, with cattle. With I mean, he got blessed because of what he did with that rock. If you don't if you don't honor God with what you got now, how are you going to get anything else? Amen. So all right. Ah, all right. I was reading that and I was listening to that. I mean, that just—I don't know about you, but that excited this little handsome Mexican. All right, now in the thirteenth chapter, Luke chapter thirteen, uh, verse. Uh, let's look at G, uh, at uh, verse eleven. Uh, we've been at this at this for just a little, well. Let's actually start at verse ten, and uh, this is very important that we understand this. And Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So this was on their Sabbath, and Jesus was teaching. And so while Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, uh, behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, and she had it for 18 years. So in other words, it started 18 years earlier. But And this is very important that we, that we capture this. Um, she never let... 18 years of progression of challenge physically stopped her from going to the synagogue. She kept going. No matter what the challenge was, she kept going. I mean, you know, if it gets a little cold, I, no, no, my goodness. Jesus. It's 60. <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was at Dr. Barkley's one time, and it was, it was as, it was so hot, it was zero. Literally. It wasn't one below or one above, it was zero. And he called me, he goes, he goes, uh, hey, uh, he always calls me Aragon. Aragon. He says, uh, uh, I was wondering when we come to the morning meeting, if you could uh, open up a little bit and, and share. I said, I said, I, I would, but my ther- thermostat in my room said, don't go out there. He goes, you little California sissy, get over here now. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> I mean, that was here. And, and the, you know that for the morning meeting, the place was half full. See, it's about almost 800, 900. The place was half full. The night, full, full. Snow everywhere. All right. I think of this place. These guys, no, I mean, this, this, is, this is wild. I mean, you understand, I, I had no clothes to match that weather. <laughs> Nothing. So I had to go buy myself thermos and got myself those little pads that heat up for my feet and my hands and wore gloves and went into the church and sat there with thermos on 
and, uh, the, and the thermal I bought was a onesie just to, just to keep me warm all the way through. And I'm, and I'm sitting in that church, and the, I totally forgot something. It's called a heater. And they had that heater going, and now I'm sweating. You know, I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't, I wasn't mentally, I went from one extreme to the other extreme. And so during praise and worship, before I got up to share, I, I went to the restroom and I had to, I went to the stall. I took everything off and got rid of everything. Then I go, now where I put it? Because I didn't have a bag. I, so I just threw it away. I put it, everything in the trash can. And then after service, we're in the back and Dr. Barker's son comes over and goes, uh, and Dr. Barker goes, you found what in the trash can in the men's restroom? Somebody discarded their underwear and all of that. I go, well, and he said, who would do that? We're all in the back room with all these pastors. He turns around and goes, Aragon. <laughs> I said, well, it was cold when I left the room. And, you know, coming in here, I forgot you had heaters. And he just he just goes like, oh, man. Uh, life is, you, you get thrown all these unexpectedcies. Uh, and, and, and oftentimes... Um, Either we're not, either we're dressed for the blessing or we're dressed for the curse. And, and we're unwilling. I, I used this statement on Monday night, and that was this, most, most doors don't have a bunch of windows in it. There are those that do have them. But most don't have a, a door in the window. So when the opportunity knocks, they can't see it. And so God wants you to look out the window, which is already open, according to Malachi chapter 3, there's a window opened, uh, opened up. So God wants you to look out the windows for the blessing and go chase it rather than it, you wait for it to knock and then it only knocks once and you can't get it. So you, you and I have got to realize there are blessings. They belong to We're already blessed. We know that. They were blessed. All right, now watch. Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together, could no wise lift up. And when Jesus saw her, when Jesus saw her. Now, uh, before I go any further, uh, let me give you the, the, the term Jesus saw. The word saw uh, in Hebrew literally means I saw. It's one word almost connected. They don't separate that. So when Jesus saw her, it's almost Jesus saying, I saw and the word saws, you and I would use it. We look at things. I remember that. Yeah, I saw that road, or I saw that house, or I saw... Jesus, Jesus is teaching in a synagogue. And he is more intense on, on, on uh, what he's looking at. So, even today, when we're, when we're ministering, I was intense, intensified and in watching everybody who was on this platform, from praise and worship all the way down. I'm intense. I, I see things. I, I'm looking for things. Jesus looked out into the congregation. And can you imagine, in the synagogue, he saw a woman. Now, think about this. She wasn't the only one there. It wasn't like Jesus was preaching there was only one person there. And he goes, oh, there's a woman here, so I guess I'll preach to her. No, out of the whole crowd, only one responded. 
at, the, at what he was saying, one was responding. Many were listening, but one was responding. And Jesus looked out into that and noted the woman. However, the scripture said in Hebrew, here's the definition, he sees as he sees not what is before him, but what could be. So when Jesus saw her, he wasn't looking at her bones. He wasn't looking at her her condition. He wasn't looking at 18 years. He was looking at what he was teaching, and it belonged to her now. So he saw her responding now, and that now changed 18 years. She, but not just because she was in the room, not because she was in the synagogue, because she responded. She responded to it. And, and we've, got to, we've got to learn how to respond. We're doers of the Word. You ever notice nobody has ever handed a pamphlet that said, you know, uh, to, uh, at the Super Bowl, uh, clap for your favorite team, clap for your favorite team. And we're going to have a seven, uh, seven, eight, or we're going to, or we're going to have at the touch, we at baseball, or we're going to have uh, at the second, we have this person playing. Could you clap when they sing, or we do this? You never, no. Only in church you have to give instructions. Let's praise God. But I don't want to offend anybody. They sell hot dogs with, at, at those stadiums, whether you're a vegan, vegetarian. They don't care. They're still making. They're still selling a hot dog. Am I right? People come through there. I mean, they'll they'll do that and they'll, they'll come through there. Oh my 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 aunt my aunt was so wonderful. I had a beautiful aunt, and uh, she's in heaven now. And and she uh, uh, she was at the Dodgers game. She she enjoyed the Dodgers. And uh, she went to every Dodger game. And uh, she was there, and, oh, man, they were doing so good that day. And she yelled, charge! And her teeth came out. And they landed in the soft drink of the man in front of her. Splashed up. The guy looks back. My uncle's talking. He goes, give back my teeth. And so, you know, reaches in there. <laughs> She was, she was so excited. How? Oh! I mean, can you imagine what kind of shout loosens all both bottom and top of your dentures and both of them go out? I wish we could get to church just to shout once about who Jesus is and how good our God is and how good our Savior is, our healer is, our deliverer, instead of just a half a hallelujah, a hallelujah, instead of, man, glory be to God, I am saved, I am delivered, and I'm free. She wasn't dignified. She was not dignified. <laughs> Give back my teeth. She didn't leave the stadium. She wasn't embarrassed. That was her team. I love Jesus. I remember when I used to go, when I first got born again, we used to shout before the service, I love Jesus. I mean, we should shout that. And then, how about you? And everybody go, I love Jesus. How about you? And the congregation should be yelling back and forth. All right. 
Jesus saw her, and He saw her through His own expectation. Now, He observed her response, not her condition. He saw her developing faith as He taught and saw her ignoring her condition. So she was with anticipation. Now, we're having great change. I believe this year is going to be a a year of great change and and great exchange. I believe this. I believe with all my heart. It takes us adhering to, embracing, and holding on to the promises of God. But it also ought to fill you full of joy. Oh, man, the world's all messed up. The world's all messed up. Listen, listen to me. If fear, if, if fear and doubt got married, they'd have a child called worry. And that's what they would name. And it, it's an unhealthy child. And worry will never get you any place. And so this woman is sitting in the synagogue. Jesus sees her. And he, and he sees her and then he called her to him. He didn't say, go see the, the priest. No, he said, no, come see me. Come here. Called that woman and anybody else. And then he said this to her, woman. Now, now, Luke didn't name her. Jesus did. And he said, you are loose from your infirmity. And then he, in his mind, he's saying, you're a daughter of Abraham. You, you don't deserve this. And when they questioned him, he goes, ought not this woman, daughter of Abraham? He named her. She's a daughter of Abraham. She's a, do- she's a covenant woman. She has covenant promises. She has a right to do this. It's just that she hasn't heard this for over 18 years. Nobody ever told her this. Everybody told her, you're getting worse. Oh, you're getting worse. Oh, you're getting worse. Oh, you're getting worse. Oh, you're getting worse. And all of a sudden, she starts hearing, you don't need to be this way no more. Amen. Now, I don't know what he taught, but it got in her. Yeah. No, he didn't get just, just, just by observation. It got inside her. That's, that's just the way that that's just the way that was. That that, that, that was the, the the level of that thing, and so we see this in so so this so he sees things, God sees things not as what's before him, but through his own expectation. And how does he see it? Through the promise, the will of God. How are great changes coming by us accepting what God's already done? God doesn't change. Malachi says, I am the Lord, I change not. According to Hebrews chapter 13, He's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God doesn't change. But we, as people, change. My son brought it out the other day, is that we have seasons, we have years, and we have days. And every one of those have a collection of change that come with it. Amen. So this, this is all a byproduct of, of all this. This is, this is how this, this flows. Amen. This is this is what you and I uh, operate in. So as we as we do this, uh, one verse of scripture I gave you before Second Corinthians one twenty says this, 
and uh, it makes a statement, 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, uh, for all, all the promises of God in Him are yea and, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. So they're in Him, and when they're in us is when we hear it and respond to it. Now, notice what we do. It says, unto the glory of God. So God gets glory by us when we operate on what's in Him by the Word of God, by doing the Word. For all the promises, say this with me, all the promises. One more time. All the promises of God are in Him. And guess who where we're at? We are, according to Philippians, according to Ephesians, we are in Colossians, we are in Him. So where are we? Where where the promises are. So you, all those promises are yours. So all the promises are of God. Amen. Don't, don't buy into that. Listen, listen, if you're single and some guy goes, I, I'll give you the moon. They can't give it to you. <laughs> it's not even an astronaut. That's a space cadet talking. I mean, that's not, that's not, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't give something you don't know. You know why I never taught Brent Spanish? You know why? Because I don't know how to speak Spanish. You can't teach what you don't know. That's why I never taught him physics. Oh, I remember. I remember one time a, a, a gentleman came over, and he 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 was a he was a substitute math teacher. He's a pastor of a church, and part time he was he was he was he, he studied math. He was a teacher. And so he was at the house. If Joel walked in, he goes, Dad, can you answer this math question for me? I go, well, matter of fact, I got a math teacher right here. So we sat down and we helped him with his math. Didn't do his math. We helped him with his math. Joel came home the next day, walked right past me, went into the room. And uh, so uh, I could tell something was upset. He was upset. And I said, Joel, come in here for a moment. And he came walking in. I go, what's going on? He goes, I am never asking you or your friend to ever help me with math again, I failed every one of those questions. I got an F on my paper. I have never got an F on my paper. I said, that made me angry that a guy you know knew math, but didn't know math. You told me he knew math. I know you don't know much, but together... At least when you helped me, I got a C. Together, I got an F. Don't, don't ever. And he, he stormed off. He was mad. So, so just because you carry a Bible doesn't mean you know. Just because you know how to pray, just because you go to a, a prayer meeting, doesn't mean you're praying accurately. Doesn't mean you're in the atmosphere of it. All right, thank you. Praise the Lord. So all the promises of God are in Him. So God's known by this. So we've got to, uh, three things. Number one, we've already dealt with this, obtain the promises of God. Number two is maintain the promises of God. We've already been through these. And now, now let me give you just this one, retain the promises of God. Go to Mark chapter 2, verse 3. Mark 2, 3. And let's look at this. So in order, so in order for us to understand this, if... if um, and I use this uh, this this, this uh, statement of this. You got to obtain the promises, acquire them. You got to have them. Number two is that you've got to 
maintain them. I use the illustration, uh, if you get a brand new car, and it's right off the showroom floor, and you get that car, and you drive it off the, off, the, off the lot, and you take it to your driveway, and for three years you just keep telling people, look at my brand new car, look at my brand new car. And you never started it once, and you've never driven it once, but that's your brand new car. There, there it is right there. There it is. That's my car. For three years. Tell me, what will happen to that car? What will happen to the tires? They'll go flat. But when you drove them up, they weren't flat. It's a brand new car. Why would they go flat? You have to drive them to keep air in them. Isn't that interesting? If you just leave it, it just... What happens to the engine? It just freezes up. What happens to the interior? It gets rotten. There's all kinds of stuff. So you can have benefits. They don't freeze up. They don't dry up. They, no, they don't get rotten. But to you, they're not working. I tried it. Did you? Just because you drove it to your driveway and then left it doesn't mean it works. Just because one time you got a miracle doesn't mean a walk of faith. We walk by faith, not by miracles. So we have to walk by faith. We've got to live this thing out. That's why I am, uh, after, after all these years, I'm still excited. Amen. Not because I'm a preacher. Not because I'm a preacher. Not because of this, this. No, no. You're getting what like we call the overflow. That, that's what this is. This is the overflow. That, that's what this is. It's so interesting. I was, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a golfer, so just set the stage. So I took my grandson's, you know, to the uh, golfing range, driving range. We went golf. Oh, thank you. Correction there. And so we're there. And he looks at me, and he asked the same question, almost identical, as Joel asked me, as Brent asked me when they were young, almost around the same age. And then he looks at me and asks me the same question. And I look at him and go, this is interesting. And I said, you asked me that question because the people you hang out with, friends. I, I, am I right? Or somebody brought you that because you didn't come up with that. I said, and here's the question. Grandpa, this, this is him. Joel, dad. Brent, dad. Grandson, grandpa. What is it you do? Everybody else has a job but you. What do you do? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. No, I know that, but what do you, what kind of a job do you have? You're not a, you're not a dentist or a, a lawyer. You're not in construction. You, you don't do any of that stuff. What, what, what do you do? Now, Joel came to me with that, leaning against the the. the, the the, and we lived in Norwalk at that time, and he leaned against the counter and said, what, what is it you do? And I said, where's this coming from? He goes, well, the, the teacher asked, tell us what your father does for a living. And so when Joel announced, my father is a pastor, it was right during the Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker scenario. So the first thing kids said, not the teacher, kids said, one of the kids said, oh, your dad's a thief. Kids. So a child got that from whom? 
parents. Thank you. So whatever they said at the dinner table got into their children. And then Joel announced it. And then Brent comes and asks me, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. I know, I know but what do you do? Because the teacher asked a similar question, similar answer, similar response. Now, what bugged them is that there was a movie, a television program called Heart to Heart. Some of you may remember it. Some of you may not even know anything of what I'm talking about. But there's a, 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 a man, uh, uh, Robert Wagner, I don't know, I can't remember who the woman was. Stephanie Powers. Okay, we're talking way back now. Okay. And so everywhere they went, they had suits. He was dressed in a suit and tie. And he drove in the car. She was all dressed up, hair all done, everything, everything. Every time we went to any of their meetings, anything we ever did, I wore a suit and a tie. Joanna dressed up, makeup, hair all done, and high heels. And she went into the meeting. We were the only ones that, at little plays that they did, sitting there all dressed up. And we're there. So they called us, the kids, called us heart to heart. <laughs> and it bugged them. And Joel even asked me one time, he said, he goes, there's only two of us in our class in which both parents are married. You and one other person. Can't one of you stay home? Because that's how much influence is on the kids. So, so it was interesting to, be, to think about that. So here I am now, and he was talking, he goes, what do you, Grandpa, what do you do? No, so seriously, what do you do? And so we, you know, I told him, I said, well, I, 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 I preach. I, I, I know that, but what do you actually do? <laughs> so I sat him down. I said, who asked you the question? He goes, well, some of my friends. And he says, and I know you're a multi-multi-billionaire. He goes, how? I go, well, I'm not a billionaire. Inside, I am blessed, exceedingly abundant. He goes, he goes yeah, but I mean, no. And, and, uh, it, and it just so happened, I, I was t- trying to explain it. I said, my bank account doesn't have billions in it or rich or millions in it. It just doesn't. He goes, but Grandpa. Grandpa, if I wanted a pair of tennis shoes, would you buy them for me? I go, yeah. <laughs> Just prove my point. So I said, look, we paid for the golf, get up, and I'm, and I'm staring there, and I'm going, I'm just staring at you. What are you looking at? I go, that plane. I go, that's a Cessna 421B. He goes, how do you know that? I go, I just own one. See? <laughs> you see? What do you do? <laughs> the reason I'm saying that is because physical observation is that people don't realize that we're blessed. Don't, don't realize how blessed we are. Amen. I mean, my son's got a suit from the place I go to. I've been calling him. How much do I owe you? What do we owe you for the suit? He says, I'll get back with you. I'll get back with you. Just have him tailor do whatever he wants to do with it. I'll get back with you. He still hasn't given you, but it'll be nowhere near what it's, what, you know, it's you, Art. Okay. And if, if the men who's going to be in his wedding want to come down here, 
uh, I'll tell them I'll give them I'll give them a suit, a shirt, and a tie for a hundred dollars. Okay, I'm gonna come on this side. <laughs> you want to be in the wedding? <laughs> so, so, so the manifestations of, of God are what make me blessed. Amen. I live by this. And then by giving, I talked about sowing and giving. I said, but, and I told him the first thing I did. I said, I tithe. And then I give. And I said, you've seen me give. You've seen me. Do. Yeah, I have. Now, watch this. And they come unto him, verse 3, and they come to him and they bring one sick of the palsy, which was born of, uh, uh, born, uh, of four, in other words, when he was four years old. And when he wasn't born and he was four, he was born, <laughs> but when he, <laughs> you understand that. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they had covered the roof where he was. I, this is powerful. They had covered the whole roof where he was. And when he had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick was lay. Now watch this. And Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw in Luke 13, he saw the woman. He saw their faith. What was going on when Jesus saw his faith? Now watch this. He saw their faith. What did did he see? What did they see? Jesus saw them and heard them ripping the roof off. Responding to get their friend in front of Jesus. Jesus was doing what? Prior to, he was teaching in that house. What drew them? Teaching. The preaching. The teaching and the preaching. The teaching and the preaching. Now, see, here's the thing. People say, you know what, Pastor Art? I I would love to see manifestations in the church. I would love to see people respond. (laughs) Because Jesus did not cut a hole in the roof and let him down through here. Right over here. It's too crowded over here. Nobody will move. So I got some carpenters. We're cutting a hole up and then just dropping through. I got cables. I went and bought them. We got cables. We'll harness them. We got a harness and we'll get them down. No, the people responded. So when people don't respond and they don't see what they want to see, it, the spiritual level's dropping. Jesus was hot, man. He was teaching. Miracle power was in him. Amen. Miracle power was in him. The manifestation was in his words. He was teaching. Anybody in that room could have got healed. But four men came, said, we're determined our friend's not going to leave this place unless he's walking. We'll, we'll pull him over. We'll drag him. We'll carry him. We can't get in. We can't get in. It wasn't that they were They had to carry the man. Well, we'll find a way. They got up on the roof. Study it out. That scripture said Jesus was in the house. That literally meant he was home. That was his house. So Jesus wasn't some broke preacher. He had a house. And he had, it was his own home. He wouldn't let somebody else break up somebody else's mess, uh, house. It was his house. He was a carpenter. I can fix that hole. We're in the carpentry business. Man, we know how to do that. But they got up on top and they cut a hole. Jesus didn't stop. He kept teaching. 
Notice he didn't disturb them. He kept teaching and kept teaching and they kept building and cutting a hole and cutting a hole until it got big enough where they could drop this man down right in front of Jesus. Now, you got to imagine this thing. They're on the roof. Cutting a hole. Now, once they cut the hole, they stick their head through, move over three feet. Because we only got one shot at this. We don't want them in the back of the building. We got to put them right in front of Jesus. And Jesus was teaching in his own house. And he's seen there's, there's particles coming down. There's sunlight now coming through. There wasn't there before. And they dropped this man. It had to be big enough to drop this man through. And he had a bed. They still had him tied to the bed. That man was wondering, what are you guys doing with me? I, if you drop me, I can't move. I can't move. These four men lo- lowered him down. And can you imagine those four men sticking their head through there? And Jesus looks at them and he said, he saw their faith. Faith in what? In what he was teaching. What was he teaching? What the promise was. The covenant promise. What Abraham had been provided internally. They created a nation. And he's all of those blessings. Sir, you're a covenant man. You don't need to be drugged around in a bed. God gave you two legs. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. Church, learn that your response activates faith. Not casual living, not casual, casual listening. To retain the promises of God. Let me just throw this, 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 uh, these two verses to you. Let's close it down here. Isaiah 57 says this. For the Lord God will help me. For the Lord God will help me. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the doctor's report is. I don't know what your bank account looks like. I don't know, I don't know if you need more finance, whatever it might be. Here's, here's a verse. For the Lord God will help me. The Lord God will help me. Say this with me. The Lord God, my God, helps me. I have a helper. Ooh, now he's called the Holy Ghost in the New Testament and he lives on the inside. And he is the Lord your God which helpeth you. And then said, you know what? They've been confessing the word, dealing with the word. They should pay this million dollars. But it's going to take them years and a lifetime. And then the little boy, their son is going to have to pay this as well because by the time they get through this, but you know what I'll do? I'll just wipe that out. Oh, man. The Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. I'm not going to be confused. I'm not going to be dismayed. Challenges will try to, will try to cause a confusion in your mind. Wait a minute. Now, now here's the worst thing you could do. Worst thing you could do. Confounded. Is put your works against the promise and say, well, I did this. I'm a giver. I'm a worshiper. I sang. I, worship. I was at church. We were singing. Jesus, you're the center of it all. Jesus, you're the center. Oh, Jesus has entered this place. It's awesome. No, he's got to live with you. Come on. If Jesus entered the place, he had to come with you. Yep. Come on. Yes. 
Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. So I brought him with me because he lives with me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm clothed in this. I, I kicked off the guard. I've kicked off. I don't have. I don't have the 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 cloak of heaviness. I got the garment of praise. Amen. There's no spirit of heaviness on me. I get concerned when I see when people always seeing demons. And they're always praying about demons. Always praying about demons. Cast out that demon. Cast out that How about just walking by faith? And then demons can't mess with you. And you stay full of joy. And you stay happy. Amen. Now, now watch what he said. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have, I have set my face like a fin or like a, fin, like a stone. Unmovable. I know that I shall not be ashamed for believing this way. I'm not going to be ashamed. I know what I believe. No matter, regard, regardless of whatever he says, this, I know what I believe. I know what I believe. That, that's why you've got to fight the good fight of faith. And so become, now here, close out this, become the gatekeeper of your own mind. Become the gatekeeper. The choices that you and I make in this progression of maintaining the promises of God will determine the type of life that you will live. How you maintain it. They will determine whether your life will be mediocre, average, or extraordinary. I choose extraordinary. Amen. Amen. I don't want to live mediocre. So, now, this is... This is uh, are, are you all set? Yes. I'm going to see if they can find the location for the confessions of the faith in here. Let's close with this. Are you ready? Put your Bibles down. Put your right hand towards heaven. And say this with me. And uh, I'm confessing it because I'm saved. I'm a saved man. I have Bible promises. Say this with me. I am healed in my mind. I am healed in my emotions. Now, now think about that for just a moment. There are so many people who come to church but emotionally scarred. I understand some people were violated. Some people as children were raped, molested, abandoned. And that, and man, I, I will never know what that's like. I never know how that would feel. Never know what those emotions are. I don't know who my dad is. I don't know who my mom is. I don't know that emotion. I don't, I don't know what it is to, to be beat or to see your mom beat. I don't know what it is to see a parent OD. I don't know what that is. I don't know. But there are people that are emotionally scarred. Some got emotionally scarred through a divorce. And they were the one in between being pitted back and forth. Situations that arise. And they're emotionally scarred. I I went through that myself. Uh, I spent almost a whole year in the hospital when I was nine years old. And I know it was when I went home and walked into my door after the doctors let me out almost ten and a half months later. And I went home and didn't feel like I belonged there anymore. I didn't feel like I belonged as an Aragon anymore. First thing I did is I ran to the bedroom and hid under, uh, hid under the sheets because I didn't feel like I belonged. I ran right past my mother, right past my brothers, and, and keep in mind, in those days we only had one car and, uh, at nine years old, and I ran in, and I, didn't have, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't face anybody. And I felt like I was nothing but trouble. And then the doctors for another nine years said, you can't do any exercise. You can't, you, can't play, you can't play baseball, football, basketball. You can't play... So, so sometimes when I kid about tools, 
It's because nobody could teach me anything because they were concerned I would lose my kidneys and die. I couldn't play baseball because they were concerned I'd die. I couldn't play basketball. They were concerned I'd die. They told me I couldn't go swimming because the water might be too cold, shock my kidneys, and I'd die. Everything I did, the word die was connected to it. Everything I did. For 18 years, so finally one day my dad looked at me and he said, uh, do you want to play baseball? I said, Dad, I want to play baseball. I'd never played before. Outside before, before I was nine. Never played baseball. Nobody taught me. My brother took me outside and taught me how to throw the ball. Told me how to use a glove. Told me how to hit. And I went on a team, the Pirates. Man, I remember that. I'm on a team. And they said, what, what position could you play? I have no clue. I had no clue. I didn't want to act stupid. I didn't watch sports because I hated it because I couldn't play. I was emotionally scarred. I was healed of my emotions when I got born again. Because why would God call somebody like me who couldn't do anything to talk to people that are brilliant like you? Why would God call me with talent? Look at architects. I'm looking around here. The jobs that you guys have. I'm so amazed at all that you do. The way you write. So amazed. The way they sing. I'm so amazed. I couldn't do anything. What could I do? Can't do that. You'll die. I heard it from my dad. I heard it from my mom. I heard it from all my doctors. All the specialists. You're going to die. You're going to die. And I heard that Almost every month. You're going to die. Do you know what that's like? To hear constantly you're going to die? Man. So I remember when I was on the Pirates and no one came to my games from the family. And they put me as shortstop. I never played shortstop before. I was short. (laughs) And I thought I could stop a ball. And I did. And I became the best shortstop the Pirates had. So they said, you know what we need to do? Try you on third base. They did. I became the best third baseman. Then they put me in the field, and I became the best center they had. And then I became first string. That was awesome. Two years in a row, we won the Mayor's Trophy. Two years in a row, not one person came to my game. I walked home with my trophy. In the rain. It was raining on me. I had my trophy, smiling, and thinking, and walking home in my uniform. Amen. I walked home. Hey, Mom, I got a trophy. For what? I was at the game. Oh, we'll put it on the shelf with the other one because we won two years in a row. I had a girlfriend, Mary Lou. I don't know how that happened. And Mary Lou's parents wouldn't give me a ride home. But one major game I lost, I actually missed the ball. Simple catch. And 
she broke up with me because I lost that. Because I lost that. <laughs> Another emotional scar. Yeah. No, you you got to understand, this is was, this was my life. This is this emotion after emotion. Emotion after emotion. That I would sit at home by myself and pull my own hair out. I'd have a pile of hair. When I use this and I say this over myself, Father, you healed me in my emotions. You healed me in my emotions. When I see... I apologize, but when I see somebody who was a member and leave, the enemy says, see, I told you you were no good. I told you. Proof. You're, you're no good. In a moment, I have to say, thank God I've been healed in my emotions. That, that wasn't me. You never know. That's why you got to be kind to people. Because you have no clue what somebody's going through or what they went through. And what they're working their way out of. Never judge. Never criticize. You're not them. You're not them. Let them work it out between them and God. But let but be both. God, you healed my emotions. I'm healed in my body. Say it with me. I'm healed in my body. Say this. I'm healed in my marriage. If you've been going through stuff with your marriage, you're healed. And this is, this is a good one. I'm healed in my finances. Debt-free. Debt can be painful. It can be tragic. You can lose everything. You can lose everything. Man. I remember that man that I helped out at the 7-Eleven. And he was sitting there with his, his little kids and they couldn't. And, and I saw them come out from a little tent area. His wife had left him. So he told me. And he's saying, the, dad, the little boy's going, Daddy, can I get this? Can I get that? Yeah, no, just get this and this. And he's counting change and a few bucks. I'm going, I saw this. And I, so uh, I basically went away and I went over and I said, excuse me, sir, uh, let your kids get anything they want. Here's, here's the money. Get whatever they want. And then across the street over here, there's a, there's a fast food place there. Go get yourself something to eat. Take your child with you. And I, and I said, your children, take them with you. I said, let them get whatever they want. I said, but don't tell them you got it from me. Tell them God blessed you. And he looked at me, and he said, why would you do this? I said, because Jesus loves you. You know this man? He started crying. He said, I became homeless. And he, he looked at me. He goes, um, you're a Christian? I go, I'm a Christian. And he says this to me. I used to be a pastor. And he goes, and I stopped believing in God. Because I didn't have one person help me. And I grabbed him by the hand. I said, if you call to God, it's still on you. It's still on you. Now be blessed. The guy wept. You don't know what people go through. You never know what somebody's going through. <laughs> ah. Oh man. Read for yourself. Write it down. I don't have time. God, I wish I could teach you for the next six hours. 
Ecclesiastes 2.17. Just read it for yourself, especially out of the message translation. Now, let me... This is my third closing. Solomon was a man of wisdom. Solomon, we know, was a man of wealth. Solomon, we know, built the temples. He was a builder. He was an architect. Solomon was a ruler. We all know that. Yet Solomon ties disliked himself. Some people don't like themselves. The greatest judges themselves. They look in the mirror and they don't like with themselves. They don't like, this is how old I am and I don't like my place. I should be further along or maybe I should have this or maybe I should have that. Because, but, because, although God was good to him, natural things happened that were unexpected. And because of it, unexpected things will make you dislike you. And when you go through that kind of a thing and you, may, and you fall into the entrapment, you know why I messed up. I did, I did this, I'm a failure. And I did this. In Christ Jesus, you cannot fail. A mistake does not define you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you've been made above only and not beneath. You may be the builder, the great, the architect, the financer. You could have all that stuff and still be hurting. And what it takes is the word. It takes you to gravitate to a promise. Hold on to a promise. And when you hold on to that, this is what God said I am. I'm going to hold on to this because this is what I am in Jesus' name. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Yes, He was born of a virgin and He died on the cross and He rose again from the dead and He did it for you and He did it for me. And we live because of Him. And Jesus is Lord. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.